Hey everyone, I'm happy you are here. I want to first, before I, get into, before I start talking about my struggle that I have been struggling with for two years now into to ministry, is, is, a, is a fact that I'm a huge tech nerd. Like, I, I love tech, and I love Apple. Like, I'm a slave to their ecosystem. Like, once you buy one Apple device, you kind of, like, just get sucked in to buying everything else because you want everything to sync and stream. So it's, yeah, I, that's where I'm at, so that's my admission. But I love Apple, and I love tech. One thing I love about my MacBook Pro is that I can get so much done because of a lot of gestures that I can do on the mouse track. I don't, I don't know if Windows has this or not, but I just want to be biased for a second. That I feel, I feel like Apple had this first. Is that back in the day there was like a mouse that was just like a rolly ball just to go like up and down or just to, to scroll. But like now I can do so much with just my four fingers. Like the trackpad is unbelievable. Like I can like roll around with my finger just like with one, just as usual. You know, I can do something with two fingers. If I want to rotate a picture, I can just go like this on my, on my mouse pad. Can Windows do that? Does anybody know? Yeah? Okay, just say no for now. So you're going like this. <laughs> so I'm able to do all of this. Even, like, if I have a full screen, for example, of my, of my text messages, I can get my text messages on my phone because I got everything Apple. So I'm getting my text messages on one screen. Then I, I swipe with my four fingers, and I have my email on the next screen. And then I can go like this, and I can go to my sermon notes. I'm able to easily switch between full screens not by like roaming around and finding what I want to click, just by using my four fingers like this. But I'll, I'll be honest with you. I get distracted super easily. And it's something I struggle with a lot. Especially I'm sitting there working. I'm, I'm working on a sermon. It's like, okay, what on earth am I talking about this Sunday? And I'm sitting there working. And all of a sudden I see my phone. Hey, Abona, do you mind giving me a call? It's an emergency. I'm like, ah, like I, I want to like finish this thought process. Like I'm in the zone right now. Or like, it, or you know, a text comes up on my on my notification, okay? Because Apple, because everything is linked. So now I get a pop-up of my text on my laptop, okay? So it's not only vibrating here, it's not only vibrating in my pocket, not only vibrating on my iPad. Well, my iPad doesn't vibrate. Not only is it not only do I see a screen on my iPad, but now I also see it popping up on the on the top right of my of my MacBook Pro of a text message that has come through. Especially when I'm on like group text, I just everything goes off, and then I'm on a group text of like all the clergy from the diocese. So it's just like it's just nonstop, and I easily get distracted from what is important. Because the immediate, what's coming up in front of me, I lose track of what is my ultimate of why I need to, what I need to work on. Especially when I get, hey, this is an emergency. I need you to call, I, I need you to call me. I need, yeah, I need you to come. And I get distracted. But let's face it, I know I'm not the only one. And the reality is this. The things I get distracted by are never as important as the thing I get distracted from. The things I get distracted by are never as important as the thing I get distracted from. This is why a lot of us will say, man, where did the time go? Like, I, I just wanted to watch one YouTube video. How did, how did, where did the past three and a half hours go? And we just, we, we just lose track of time because one click led, led to the next, one phone call, one text message, and you just get sidetracked. And especially of how easy technology has made it for us to just be distracted so easily from what is important for many of us. There is that one thing that we want to focus on for 2020. For many of us, there's that one thing, this has to be the year. Maybe this is the year I'm going to break that habit. This is it. Like, enough is enough. I have to break this, 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 this habit. It's toxic not only to my health, to myself, but it's actually damaging people around me without even me like, fully realizing the impact. This might be the year I need to break a habit. Maybe this is the year where I need to, to restore a relationship. 
I've been just trying to push it off, and you know, he's doing his own thing, and, and he does his own life, I have my own life. Maybe this is the year where you feel a nudge, I need to restore that relationship. Maybe this is the year that relationship needs to break. Maybe you keep on saying, oh, one more, chance, one more time, I'll give him one more chance. He'll change, or she'll change, or you keep on thinking you'll change him. Maybe this is the year where that relationship needs to break. Or, for some of us, maybe this is the year, time to pay off the credit cards. Maybe it's a debt that I need to pay. What I want to share is a story that I heard actually for the first time in high school. Like it's a story from the Old Testament. And, and like I, the first time I heard it was in high school. And I thought it was a nice story, but it didn't have much of an impact on me until priesthood. And I will share with you why. It became an integral part to how I should serve in my ministry. And I think this is an integral part to anyone that just has 10,000 things on their plate and they don't, don't, they don't know how to manage and they get easily distracted because of all of your responsibilities. Let's face it, I, this, this story did not resonate with me as, as a dentist because, hey, I, you know, yeah, life was great. You know, I, I just, you know, somebody says, hey, Dr. G, next patient, okay, do the filling, they go back out, and I can, again, I sit on my laptop. It was, it was chill. So I didn't have to really think about this. But this became so applicable once life started to pile up. We are in the year 44, 444 BC, so approximately 450 years before the birth of Jesus, and we are looking at a man named Nehemiah. And he is under, he is a servant, he's an employee of a king called King Artaxerxes, the first of Persia. So let me, let me give you some historical background. Bear with me here for four and a half minutes. We have the people of Jerusalem. Okay, We have the Jewish people. They're doing well. They're living their life in Jerusalem, but they keep on being attacked by so many different groups or so many different countries and so many, types, so many different types of empires coming to trying to control them. And they're just being tossed and turned in so many different directions. Assyria first, the Syrians came and controlled the, 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 the Israelites. Then came the Babylonians, and they came and they took the, the, the Jewish people out of, out of Jerusalem, and they took some of them to Babylon, and they said, and some of them ended up staying in Jerusalem. But they kept them, and they kept them uh, in captive and put them in exile in Babylon. Then came the Persians, and they came and they said, hey, Jewish people, like, I know you've been kind of struggling. Don't worry, we're still in control, but you have an option. You can either stay in Babylon or you can go back home to Jerusalem. It's completely up to you. So someone said, hey, you know what, we've been, we've been in, under the control of Babylon for so long, we, we've kind of made this home, like my kids are kind of born here, we're just going to stay here. And some of them said, you know what, we're going to go back to our original home, we're going back to Jerusalem, because that's our true home. And some of them ended up going back to Jerusalem. So some of the Jews now are staying in Babylon, and some of them went back home to Jerusalem. Everyone with me? History 101? We're good? Okay. So the Persians took control, and they told the Jews, you can go back to Jerusalem if you want. So there is a man... Uh, by the name of Nehemiah. And he decided to stay in Babylon because he's just gotten comfortable, that's his home, but some of them went back to Jerusalem. The people in Jerusalem that, that are trying to restore their home because they've been away from Jerusalem for some time because they've just been under captive and, and they've, been in exile, they've been stuck in Babylon. Now they're back in Jerusalem and they're trying to rebuild their life, trying to build their original home. And some of them come and, and send a message to, De, to, to Nehemiah who is in Babylon and he sends them this message. This is Nehemiah speaking. We're reading his journal or his, his record of his life. He says this. They said to me in Nehemiah, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Let's pause right there. So just so you understand, people are in Jerusalem. 
They're trying to rebuild life, trying to get the economy going, trying to, to, to structure everything. And an integral part to building, restoring the city was building a wall around the city. This shows, this shows their identity. This shows strength. This shows that they're, they're able to protect themselves. That was a huge part of who they are. So they are having a hard time building this wall. So they send a message back to where Nehemiah is, back in Babylon. He says, hey, Nehemiah, like your people are trying to you know, restore things back in Jerusalem. They're struggling. Man, we can't even get the wall back up. Nehemiah hears this. He had everywhere to say, oh, may God be with you. I'll be praying for you. you know, let's, let's just say a prayer. May God's will be done. Nehemiah could have said that. But this actually broke his heart. And a question I like to ask me and I like to ask you, what breaks your heart? This broke Nehemiah's heart. He hated to see his people struggling to get things going again in Jerusalem. So he got permission from the king, King Artaxerxes, he got permission if he can go help restore the wall because that was such a big part of Jerusalem to rebuild their life. So Nehemiah left Babylon and he went to go help and restore the wall and build the wall again. So as Nehemiah is building the wall, like they're like, so imagine now you're building the wall and this is your identity. So all the Jerusalem, all, all the, the, the Jewish people are inside this community, are inside, they're safe, they're building the wall. But some people outside, some tribes and some other people outside feel like, hey man, don't build the wall. Like we want, like we want to attack you and we want to take things from you. And they don't like that the wall is being built. They don't like the walls being built. And one guy who was not a fan of Nehemiah rebuilding the wall, his name is Sanballat, which is a really cool name. So Sanballat is not liking that they're rebuilding this wall. Like, he's not happy. So he's trying to distract Nehemiah. He feels like, man, if I can distract Nehemiah, if I can, like, get him sidetracked with other things, if I can, you know, maybe just, like, maybe I'll just take him out for, for dinner and then I'll kill him. Like, maybe then he'll lose track of rebuilding the wall. So we continue. Then the word came to Sanballat. Tobiah and Geshem, they're all friends, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it. So now Sanballat is hearing that the wall is almost done. Though up to that time, I had not set the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. So, so Sanballat is not happy that they're almost done building the wall. So, Nehemiah, so, so, so Sanballat is about to send a message to Nehemiah to try to distract him. And Sanballat says this. Hey, Nehemiah, come. Let, let, let's, go, let's, go, let's go grab something from Chipotle. Let's go, to, let's go to Starbucks. Let's meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ohio. Hey, come on. Let's, let's come on. Let's just kind of like restore everything. Let's, let's come, 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 down, come down from the wall. Take a break, man. Let's, let's go grab some water together. Just take a break. Let's, let's kind of like rebuild our friendship. But they were scheming to harm me. This is Nehemiah saying this. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I want to make sure you guys are with me so far where we are. Sanballat and his friends are trying to distract Nehemiah from stop building the wall, which is an integral part to their community. He's trying to stop them and trying to distract them. He says, hey, come on, come on, let's come down. Let, let's, let's, kinda, let, let's just hang out for a second. Let's talk things out. Because they're doing that wanting to kill Nehemiah. Because if they kill Nehemiah, they're not going to finish building that wall. But Nehemiah is wise. He understood, man, if I do that, if I come down and I go along with them, they're going to kill me. So Nehemiah responds with this response. And this reply is what I want to embrace better as a father, as a husband, as a servant. I'm carrying on a great work. And I can't go down. I am carrying on a great work. 
and I can't go down. I'm doing something highly important right now, building this wall. And Sembaot, I can't come down. I gotta stay focused on my task at hand. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Why should I stop doing this high priority? Why should I stop building the wall to come down to you? I am carrying on a great work and I cannot go down. What I love about this is his focus. He's not distracted by anything that's coming his way. And he has his eye on the target. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. If you want, like, Leadership 101, you should look at some of, this, of the, the skills that Nehemiah does as he's building the wall. Like, I love how that he, he delegates his leadership. Like, he puts some of the, as Nehemiah is building, as Nehemiah is building the wall, he delegates. Like, here's Leadership 101. Nehemiah is saying, okay, hey, this group, you build this side of the wall, you build this side of the wall, and he delegates certain things. He's not being a micromanager, but he's, he's, he's empowering other people to do their job, which is a great thing for all of us to learn as leaders. This is Nehemiah saying this. Four times. They sent me the same message. This is Nehemiah talking about Sanballat. Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them the same answer. And what is that answer that Nehemiah kept on giving them? I'm carrying on a great work, and I can't come down. I am carrying on a great work, and I cannot come down. I want you to pause and ask yourself, what is the most important thing to you? What is the most important thing to you? What is the most important thing to you that you can say, you know what, I cannot do this. I, I, I can't come down because this is my most important thing to me. What I love about Nehemiah's response, I'm carrying on a great work and I cannot go down. It's because it shows that, that even though he's being distracted by something immediate, he has, his set, he has his eyes set on the ultimate. What now is trying to distract him what he values most. And what seems optional for him to come down, it doesn't sidetrack him from what he knows to be essential. Four times they sent me the same message for me to come down. They kept on trying to send me, they kept on trying to get me to come down. And each time I gave them the same answer. This was not a scheduling conflict. It's not like Nehemiah said, well, you know, I'd love to come down. Do, do you mind sending me a Google Calendar invite? Do you mind sending me a doodle to see when we can you know, kind of schedule that in? Do you mind sending me when we can do that? Maybe we can do it in a couple weeks. Do you, do you mind like, sending me a, a message? Maybe I'll, I'll try to fit it into my busy schedule. It was not a scheduling conflict. It's not like Nehemiah was busy. It was a priority conflict. It was a priority conflict. This hits home to me so much because I struggle with it. I'm always being pulled in different places, not just with people in Atlanta, but even outside. Even just last night, I had to tell like somebody, like, uh, whatever, a, a church somewhere else asked me to come and, and, and see them. And I told them, no, I cannot. Because I, I, if I say yes to them, then I'm saying no to my people. If I'm saying yes to them, then I'm spreading myself out by saying no to, to our church family and to what I, my responsibility is, my number one priority and service. I cannot say yes to everything. It is not a scheduling conflict. It is a priority conflict. And he said, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Ask what is the most important thing to you.
probably, I should have calculated this beforehand, but maybe, maybe 11, yeah, I think about 10, 11 years ago, I just finished uh, dental school, and I, I had a lot of free time before, like I, before I started working. So I wanted to be very intentional with my time, because I knew like, summer break, is, like, that doesn't exist anymore once you're an adult. Okay? So I knew like, that, that's, that, this is it. Like, this is my last summer. You know, my, my, my wife was a, a worker at school. I can't remember at the, point, at the time. But I was, I was home. We're living in a one-bedroom apartment in DC. I had tons of time. So I was intentional to focus and to prioritize recording you know, tons of English hymns because this is, this is why I feel the gift that God has given me. This is a feel like I wanted to, to, to do with my time because, it, and I was being sidetracked by so many different things, but I said, you know what? This, I, I don't want to fit in everything. This is my only time. There's no kids involved. You know, my, my wife is out at, at school or at work. I got time to myself. This is, I wanted to prioritize this. I wasn't trying to fit it in, but to me, it was a number one priority. But now I understand life is different. Okay, life is different. Now we got a kid. Now it's a different responsibility. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm not a young kid anymore. I got, I got a responsibility to, to serve as a priest. I'm not just a, a young graduate. So I knew that I had to put things on a list that's maybe a no for now, but it's not forever. Like, right now, I can't do the things that I used to do, but I, maybe I can do it later at a different season of life. But now, it's, it's a no for now, but it is a not forever. There's tons of things I want to do. There's tons of things I want to do. But they're in a list of saying, you know what, it's no for now, but it's not forever. But at this season, trying to, to, to establish for us to, 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 to establish foundation for the church, for, us to, for me to grow my marriage, for me to figure out this whole parenting thing, I have to say there's certain things that's no for now, but not forever. So many people say, hey, we should do this in the church. We should do this. I'm with you. But you know what? We have to prioritize certain things. And some of those things is a no for now, but not forever. Because we cannot do it all. And subconsciously, in our American culture, we can do it all. Just send me a Google Calendar invite. This is why we get 10,000 emails, and this is why when I send the church email, you don't even know if you got it or not because you're so bombarded and flooded with so many other emails and messages, you don't know if you even read it. You don't know if you even got it because we're so flooded with so much input and data all the time, but we cannot prioritize what is important. Nehemiah, with boldness, with confidence, said, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. No for now, but not for forever. Husbands, what's our priority? What needs to be on a list that's no for now, but not forever? What can I say that I am doing a great work in investing and prioritizing my marriage? I am doing a great work on trying to figure out this parenthood thing. I'm doing a great work of investing into the next generation. And I cannot come down. I cannot accept this other job offer. I cannot accept another job. I cannot accept doing this other hobby. I'm all for hobbies. We, we need a balance. But am I adding something else because I'm losing track of what is most important to me? Parents. Like, I commend parents that, 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 that are prioritizing their kids. They're, you have to have an intentional list saying, you know what, this is a no for now, but not forever. Because I cannot come down because I'm doing a great work and investing in the next generation of kids. There's stuff I want to do, yes. But I understand there is a season of life for everything. This is why in our ancient faith, everything is run into seasons. There's a season for everything. Right now, we're in the 12 days of Christmas. This is the season that we're in as a church. But there's a season that highlights and prioritizes different things. This should be the same thing for our life as well. Singles. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I am investing in myself for me to figure out where I am with God. I am trying to figure out what, is, like, what I want in other people. 
Am I becoming that person myself? I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. I cannot passively just, just be, put myself in wrong social circles and then put myself in a, in a situation where I'll regret or make irreversible decisions or damage to my life. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. You are writing the story of your life. You are writing the story of your life. You are writing the story that you want to tell. But it takes time for us to pause, especially at the beginning of the year. What do I prioritize? What do I value most? What are the things I'm saying, you know what, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down, I cannot be distracted by these other things because this is the season where I have to prioritize this. Back to the story. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. The wall was completed in 52 days. Maybe we don't understand that, but that's a huge thing. The seeing his leadership skills for delegating what needed to be delegated and prioritize the right things. Just, I don't want to, get, I don't want to bore you with all the details of the, of the story of Nehemiah, but even how he delegated, he said, okay, He's going to delegate this part of the wall to those who live closest to the wall. And then for this area, if you, if you live close to this side of the wall, you build this. So he's delegating all of this and, and kind of being an amazing leader. Again, leadership 101, there's so many things to learn of how Nehemiah dealt with this project. But going forth, he, he built it in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their, their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. They notice something different. You know what's so amazing about this story? Is that there is no supernatural miracle at all in the story of Nehemiah. There's no supernatural miracle that occurred. But they realized that this was done by the divine. Not because there was some, that's not like the, the skies opened and the angel came and built the, the, the wall. None of that happened. It's because he prioritized what was the most important thing to him. He shut off the noise from his life in order to get what broke his heart, what broke his heart was seeing the wall broken, and he wanted to, 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 to prioritize that and do everything possible to rebuild that. My question for me, I've had all week to think this. The question for you, what is your wall? What is your wall? What do you prioritize? What do you have to say, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down? If we do not pause to prioritize this, we're going to wake up. Where did the time go? Why did I take that job? Why did I flood my schedule with just keeping myself busy all the time? What is your wall? What do you have to stay focused on this season? Because your direction that you take in life determines your destination. Your direction not your intention. Everyone has great intention. Everyone has great intention to do what's best for my wife. Everyone has great intention to do what's best for my kids. Everyone has great intention. Everyone has great intention. But it's the direction that will determine your destination. What direction are you going and what are you doing intentionally to move in that direction? Because you have to say no to certain things in order to say yes to others. If I'm saying yes to every single person all the time, then I'm saying no to my wife and kid. If I'm saying yes to all these, I'm saying no to my wife and kid. So if I'm saying no to something, I'm saying yes to another. What obstacles do you need to remove this year? What do you need to eliminate? Who do you need to eliminate? Not literally. Like, 
But who do you need to eliminate? Who do you need to cut off? For New Year's Eve, I shared the, the theme for this year for San Mark Church. And the theme is, anyone remember? Vision casting. Vision casting. Where I'm casting a vision for where I want to go career-wise and my, my marriage, my, as a parent, whatever, all the different hats that you wear, you have to cast a vision. Because if I don't cast a vision, I'm going to naturally drift away. So I have to pause, what, am I, what's a, what do I value most? What, what do I prioritize? And for me to move in that direction. So we did um, a, a life plan worksheet. And so there's some at the connection table in the back, and it's also on the church website at sanmarkatl.church. And I encourage you, if you did not do it on New Year's Eve, pause and fill this out. You know, not today, but take it home and fill it out. Because this will help you have clarity on what do I prioritize? What's my vision? What direction am I wanting to go? Because if I don't, I will naturally drift. There is a lot of things you can do this year. There's a lot of things you can do this year. There's a lot of things you will do this year. But what is the one thing you must do this year? What is the one thing you must do this year? Let us have clarity to move forward and to say the same words of Nehemiah. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Let us stand up for prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, I know this is not just a struggle for me, but this is a struggle for all of us. This is the culture of America that we live in, of just overscheduling ourselves, always being busy, always not having time for everything, just because we overfill everything for our lives, for our kids' lives, for everything. And we cannot pause and be still to hear you and for us to pause and realize, what do I need to prioritize in life? Lord, give us the courage, give us the strength to say what Nehemiah said. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. What is that, God? What is that for me? Give me clarity for me to prioritize the things I need to prioritize. I don't want to look back at this life and say, man, time just flew by. We ask that you give us strength this week and clarity that for those who do this life plan, who do this worksheet, that, that, that gives them so much clarity on the structure and organization of what they value most and what they want to prioritize in their life and in their families and at work and in and, and their relationships in every aspect. Through the prayers of Nehemiah the prophet and all your saints, Lord, hear us as we pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you guys. Just a reminder that there is no kids program or the eight next Sunday. We'll just